0: Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Our opening music is folk music from Argentina, Maximo Spodek with Luna Tucumana. This program was written and researched in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced here in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 606 for release on Sunday, October 4th, 2020. In our program today, 100 Years of Radio Broadcasting in Argentina, we'll look at the Malvinas War and DX reports from Australia and Japan. We're marking 100 years of radio broadcasting in Argentina looking at the radio scene during the Malvinas War. This uh, was an article written in Spanish by Arnaldo Sline, who's a well-known international radio monitor living in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He's the uh, host of the DX program from RAI Argentina to the World. The story was translated into English by Fernando Farias of the English service of RAI Argentina to the World and edited for broadcast on shortwave radio by Dr. Adrian Peterson. During the year 2020, Argentina is celebrating its centenary of radio broadcasting, and there are several important and interesting milestones along this century of radio in our country, says Arnoldo Slein in Buenos Aires. On this occasion, he continues, we focus on the radio events that were associated with the 1982 Malvinas War. A conflict that was waged on various fields, military, economic, diplomatic, and of course, as Ray Robinson tells us, radio communication.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Up until April the 2nd, 1982, the Falkland Islands had one radio broadcasting station, the Falkland Islands Broadcasting Service, or FIBS, with its broadcasts entirely in English programming content aired included locally produced programs as well as new services from the BBC in London. FIBS broadcasts were noted on two channels, 536kHz medium wave and 2370kHz in the 120 meter tropical shortwave band. The AM frequency was intended for coverage of the Port Stanley area and the shortwave transmissions extended the signal further across the islands. From mainland South America, English-language broadcasts from Radio Argentina al Exterior RAE and Radio Noticias Argentinas also targeted the archipelago. In addition, there was a special half-hour programme weekly on shortwave from the BBC in London aimed at the islanders, who are known locally as kelpers. On television, Channel 9 in Rio Gallegos could be picked up on the islands every now and then. After Argentine troops seized the archipelago on April 2, 1982, the local radio landscape changed dramatically. The FIBS plant was captured by the Argentine military and its radio facilities were converted into the studios of the newly designated LRA-60 Radio Nacional Islas Malvinas and it joined the national network of Radio Nacional Argentina. Here's a recording from that night when the Argentine forces entered the FIBS studio. Presenter Patrick Watts is at the microphone.
2: Well, um, now, the the situation, as you might hear, is that the radio station has now been um, taken over. Um, We have three Argentine Uh, members. uh, We have everything uh, recorded in two tapes. Yes. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. d- just a minute. Okay. Okay. Go you, ahead. you wait a minute, please. Ahead, we've been taken over the radio station, um, as expected by the Argentine invasion force. I still hope that we can get His Excellency the Governor's message to you, um, sir. What, what do you What do you want to do? You want to to speak to the people? Um, what okay. do you want to tell? Uh, tell the people to wait, uh, turning on uh, their receivers. Uh, to wait some minutes. Uh, in some minutes, the chief. Is going to communicate them what we are going to... what we want uh, for the... for the population. Well, and just a minute, if you, senor, t- un if you take the gun out of my back, I'm going to transmit it oh, If you take the gun away. But I'm not speaking with a gun in my back. There's an argument going on now between the three Argentines. They've disappeared. They've left me alone in this room. They have an argument between themselves. Hello? Yes, sir. So, yeah, I've just been taken over by the Argentines. Well, yes, okay, sir. They've gone and gone into an argument now. Yes. Right. Well, um, His Excellency the Governor is is on the line now, and he's going to speak to you before we have to play the Argentine tapes. Yes, sir. Go ahead, please. Uh, hello, Governor. Uh, uh, I tell him that he would landed unlawfully on British sovereign territory, and I ordered him to leave forthwith. He refused, claiming that he was taking back territory that belonged to Argentina, and it was Britain that was unlawfully in possession.
1: A few minutes later, this was the inauguration of the station as LRA60.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, the population of the Falkland Islands, and whoever else may be listening. The radio station is now under control as you know of the invasion forces of Argentina and therefore we have to obey the instructions of these forces. At this moment I've been instructed to play for you a uh, tape. Uh, I don't know what it is so I'm going to play it and um, for you now. Y a partir del día de la fecha 2 de abril de 1982 inicia su transmisión LRA Radio Islas Malvinas, para toda la República Argentina. Begins its transmission, LRA, Islas Malvinas Broadcasting Station, for the whole of the Argentine Republic. We shall listen now the Argentine National Anthem. <música>
1: During this era, the radio station was manned by several Argentine personnel, including sound engineer Ernesto Manuel Dalmau, operator Fernando Héctor Pendola, and presenter Norman Carlos Powell. During the war, Patrick Watts, the FIBS presenter you just heard, continued as a speaker on the radio as the new Argentine authorities thought it was a good idea to take advantage of his knowledge of the local environment and his fluent command of the English language as spoken in the islands. This proved subsequently to be a gross miscalculation by the Argentine armed forces since Watts covertly provided valuable military and strategic information to the British, such as, for example, saying on the air that the airport remained operational despite British bombardment. During the war, and until it ended, LRA-60 Islas Malvinas transmitted programmes also via a cable system in Puerto Argentino, as Port Stanley was renamed by the military authorities, in addition to 536 kHz medium wave and 2370 kHz wave, Programmes were also retransmitted on other shortwave frequencies as a relay to the South American mainland, And in this way, its programming was received and retransmitted by other radio stations throughout Argentina. On several occasions, LRA-60 was the head for the entire Argentine network of stations that integrated the now defunct FIBS broadcasting service. Additional frequencies that were used as relays from the islands to mainland Argentina were 15890 and 24146 kHz, which were transmitted from station VPC, the communication radio station previously installed by cable and wireless. Station VPC operated in upper single sideband mode and it had been in use as the point-to-point communication link from the islands to the United Kingdom, up until the outbreak of the conflict. The programming from the Argentine-operated LRA-60 was quite varied and it included music in English and Spanish, sports broadcasts picked up directly from the BBC and community announcements for rural and city dwellers. Regular broadcasts specially prepared for the rural population in farms across the archipelago continued also. During those feverish days, broadcast to the islands from the mainland intensified. Special programmes were put on the air by RAE and Radio Noticias in Argentina on shortwave 6060 kHz. In addition, programme content aired by LRA11 Radio Nacional Comodoro Rivadavia in Chubut, and LRA24 Radio Nacional Rio Grande in the province of Tierra del Fuego were also beamed to the Malvinas. The LRA-60 medium wave signal in Puerto Argentino, Port Stanley, was also used to announce and to coordinate inbound flights with the rural population of the two largest islands of the archipelago, which the Argentinians call Gran Malvina and Soledad, and the British call simply East Falkland and West Falkland. These flights were bringing mail and medications from the mainland whenever British bombing of the runway didn't make that impossible. On some occasions, cargo was otherwise dropped from the air. After May 1st 1982, medium wave and short wave signals from the Malvinas were frequently silenced intentionally, since the information given on air was picked up by monitors in Chile who were working with the British. These radio transmissions therefore became intermittent, often without any programming content, so that the signal could be used as a homing beacon by incoming Argentine aircraft. The one major exception was the broadcast of the visit by Pope John Paul II to Argentina, which occurred near the end of the conflict. However, throughout the rest of the conflict, LRA-60 continued to broadcast via the cable system in Port Stanley itself. A few days before June fourteenth, 1982, when the British recaptured the islands, LRA-60 Radio Nacional Islas Malvinas went off the air due to a power outage as a result of heavy British bombing. Amid the heavy fighting, the station's medium-wave antenna and its transmitter were destroyed also. However, let's go back now to the early days of the conflict. When the United Kingdom announced it was sending a massive task force with the aim of retaking the islands, the Argentine government launched a propaganda radio station which was identified on air as Liberty. This shortwave radio station, which aired its messages in English, was aimed at British troops on their way across the Atlantic on board dozens of warships and support ships. Radio Liberty, in Argentina, transmitted on shortwave on the 16-metre band frequency of 17740 kHz, and its goal was to discourage British soldiers and sailors by telling them that they were making a "...useless sacrifice for a distant territory that was unknown to them." Unquote. Liberty was personified by a sweet and friendly female voice, known among the British troops as Argentine Annie, that asked listeners, Would they not rather be at home watching a football game, cheering for their teams, or telling them, You've written to your girlfriend. I know you're dying to see her again. Argentine Annie would say that her voice could be heard every day in a beautiful house in Belgrave Square, in London, England, or in a boat sailing on the sea, probably the Atlantic Ocean. Hello, I am Liberty. I myself decided to show to the whole world what life is like in a place that is far away from you, in the Malvinas, in the Sandwich Islands, in South Georgia. I am a voice, a life, a country, were her words, with the song Yesterday by the Beatles playing in the background.
0: one who can proudly say today
1: Many years after the end of the war, it was revealed that journalist Silvia Fernandez Barrios was the voice of liberty. At the time, she was an announcer for Argentina Televisora Color ls LS82 TV Channel 7. Reporter Enrique Alejandro Mancini collaborated on the content production for her programming. In addition to Radio Liberty, Argentine military authorities at the time sought to offer entertainment options for Argentine troops in the Malvinas and in Patagonia, by retransmitting on shortwave three of the most popular stations of the time – LS10, Radio Del Plata, which was very popular among young people for its music, LS5, Radio Rivadavia's sports programmes, and LS4, Radio Continental. It's essential to point out that all these radio stations, with a few exceptions, had been under military management since 1976, and their programming was strictly censored. For their part, the British government also operated a clandestine station called Radio Atlantico del Sur, which broadcast to the occupation forces in Spanish from shortwave transmitters on Ascension Island some 4,000 miles to the northeast. This report would be incomplete if we didn't point out that, on the international level, all the major international broadcasters in the world devoted extensive space to events ongoing in the South Atlantic. During the Falklands or Malvinas conflict, the BBC increased the length of their transmissions in Spanish for Latin America and as well added more broadcasts in English aimed at the inhabitants of the islands. After May 1st 1982, this war of the airwaves intensified. While the BBC complained that the transmissions of its Latin American service were being interfered with by Argentina, The authorities of Radio Nacional in Buenos Aires informed conversely that their shortwave services were being jammed from North America. On the auspicious occasion of commemorating such a special date as the centenary of radio broadcasting in Argentina, we cannot fail to recall the role of radio in particular during what they called in 1982 the Malvinas War. Back to you,
0: Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson, at KVOH in Los Angeles. That was the radio scene during the Malvinas War. And that report was written in Spanish by Arnaldo Sline, a well-known DXer in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and host of the DRAI Argentina to the World DX program on Fridays. Translated into English by Fernando Farias of the English section of Rai Argentina to the World. And edited for broadcast on shortwave by Dr. Adrian Peterson. By the way, Adrián Corol at Rai Argentina to the World tells us that they have a new EQSL card to mark the 100th anniversary of radio broadcasting in Argentina, which took place on August 27th. I've seen a picture of it. And if you would like to get one, just send a reception report for any transmission of Rye Argentina to the world. And all of these are relayed via WRMI in Florida. The address for your reception reports is qslrae at gmail.com. That's qslrae at gmail.com. The QSL manager there is none other than Arnaldo Slein, the uh, author of the uh, article we just heard, and I had a chance to meet him in August of last year when I was in Buenos Aires on the occasion of the 99th anniversary of Argentine radio broadcasting. Some good news now for shortwave listeners. Scientists say that finally, solar cycle 25 has begun. This conclusion is from NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, and NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in the United States. The Solar Cycle 25 Prediction Panel, an international group of experts co-sponsored by NASA and NOAA, announced that solar minimum occurred back in December 2019, marking the start of a new solar cycle. Because our Sun is so variable, it can take months after the fact to declare this event. Scientists use sunspots to track solar cycle progress. To determine the start of a new solar cycle, the prediction panel consulted monthly data on sunspots from the World Data Center for the Sunspot Index and Long-Term Solar Observations located at the Royal Observatory of Belgium in Brussels, which tracks sunspots and pinpoints the solar cycle's highs and lows. With solar minimum behind us, scientists expect the sun's activity to ramp up toward the next predicted maximum in July of 2025. Solar activity has a major effect on shortwave radio signals, and generally speaking, shortwave conditions are best at the higher points of the 11-year sunspot cycle. Now we have DX News from Japan.
3: Hello and welcome to the DX Report of the Month from Japan Shoto Club, aided by Toshi Otake and I'm Mr. Nishiguchi is a regular contributor with his DX expedition, but this time he reported the unusual reception of AM band in his high-rise apartment in Yokohama. Here are some of his loggings. Taiwan Area Fisheries Broadcasting Station from Ilan City in Taiwan was heard on 1593 kHz on August 30th, from 1853 to 1904 UTC in Taiwanese. SIO rating was 353, then down to 252. DJ program with Taiwanese pop music was on the air. Then time tone, ID, and weather information were broadcast. BBC Biomang was heard on 1413 kHz on August 30th, from 1826 to 1837 UTC in Dali. SIO rating was 343. Talk program by a male announcer was aired. Time, tone, and ID were given at 1830. Then news started. Pravasi Varathi from Abu Dhabi, UAE was received on 1538 kHz on August 30th. From 1853 to 1904 UTC in Malayalam. SIO rating was 242. Two. Indian pop music was played and a commercial message and news were broadcast. ID was given at 1900 as Pravasi Varathi 81 AM. TWR Europe via Moldova was heard on 1548 kHz on August 30th. From the sign-on at 1930 to 1933 UTC in Romanian, SIO rating was a 353, then down to 252. Interval signal, opening announcement, and a folk song were aired. We have several more DX reports from our members this week. All India Radio from Hyderabad was heard on 4800 kHz on September 10th, from 1637 to the sign-off at the 1755 UTC in Telugu, SIO rating was a 252. Music and news were aired. ID was given at the 1750 and 1754. Radio Japan via Uzbekistan was received on 9450 kHz on September 4th from 1400 to 1430 UTC in English. SIO rating was 3.53, then down to 3.32 at 14.20 due to co-channel interference. The program started with NHK Newsline, then Easy Japanese was broadcast from 14.15. Saudi Radio International from Saudi Arabia was heard on 9675 kHz on September eleventh, from 1800 to 1840 UTC in Turkish. SIO rating was a 444. Chant of Quran and talk program were heard. ID was given at 1835. Interference was from China Radio International on 9670 kHz. Radio Romania International was received on 11850 kHz on September 2nd from 1947 to the sign-off at 1957 UTC in Spanish. Talk program was aired mainly. ID was given at 19.54, then interval signal was heard. VOA via Botswana was heard on 4930 kHz on September 10th, from 1503 to 15.30 UTC in English. SIO rating was 242. News and commentary were broadcast. ID was given at 15.28. Finally, Japan Short Club will issue the QSO cards for the correct reports on our segment of WebCM program. We are issuing QSO cards by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is JSWCQSL at LIVE.jP. I repeat, JSWCQSL at LIVE.jP We continue to issue the printed QSO card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC, P.O. Box 44, Kamakura, which is K-A-M-A-K-U-R-A, poster code 248-8691, Japan. One ILC or two U.S. dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we'd like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Tetsuya Toriumi, Mr. Chiaki Shimada, and Mr. Takashi Nishiguchi for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Showtable Club. I am Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo.
0: That's folk music from Argentina, Maximo Spodek with Las Dos Puntas. And with that, we come to the end of WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson. Next week on WaveScan, a radio update, the shortwave scene in Nepal, part one. Australian shortwave call sign, VLT, and our Philippine DX report. Several QSL cards are available for Wavescan. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for this program to the AWR address in Thailand and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry Wavescan. Remember too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program, they will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The only email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The only postal address for AWR QSL cards is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong. That's P R A K A N. O N G, Bangkok, one zero one one zero, Thailand. That's Adventist World Radio, PO Box two three four, Prakanon Bangkok, one zero one one zero, Thailand. The email address for other correspondents to WaveScan is wavescan at awr dot org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone.